This podcast represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, and the guests. It should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Steph, should we do a podcast on fear? Fear? I don't know. I'm, I'm afraid of what's coming next. Let's see. Let's hear it. I, I don't know. I, I think the entire city of Miami just... Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I'm shitting my pants, man. Like, last night, that was a roller coaster, man. I mean, I, I love sports. I really, really love sports for the emotions. And it's a bit... I don't want to be on the wrong side. <laughs> I like it when, <laughs> when I'm on the right side, you know? I, I liked it when Jimmy hit three free throws. That's when I like sports. Right? And then I didn't like it a minute after that, so... That I I was just want to when when that last play happened and I saw him coming up and he wouldn't drive to the hole. I had visions of Game Seven last year where he had a clear path to the basket. Didn't go and for he it. Wouldn't drive because he wanted to hit a three and go home. And it looked exactly the same. He wanted. No, to hit he a said three that. Go home. He said he said he would take the shot. Over and I have a. I have, I have like a an idea that he fantasizes over doing the same thing over and again. And Jimmy is so cynical. I'm not sure it's intentional, but he I think he thrives on the most impossible path. Yeah. I think he thrives he, on he loves it. I think I think deep down he wanted to have Boston game seven in Boston. Deep down. I'm you, not, you think I'm, he's doing this on purpose? No, no, no. I'm saying uh, hopefully he's not, right? I, I I'm pretty sure he'd rather be already going to the final. But deep down, I think there's like a, a subconscious, subconsciously, I think that's where he wants to be. He wants it. I, I don't. I don't know, man. When, when he got fouled, and Boston was like, "Let's review this." I was like, "Why are they reviewing this? Obviously, a foul. Obviously, the end line. It, it was clearly a foul. And then they're reviewing it, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, they're reviewing it. They're going to give him two shots. But what happens if they review it and they give him three because he's behind the line and they get screwed? And he hits off three and they lose because they reviewed something they should never have reviewed. And that's exactly how it was turning out. And I was like, I can't believe Boston just screwed themselves. Like, Missoula just, he did like a rookie coach move where he should never have reviewed. It was clearly a foul. They were going to get two free throws, go into overtime. And instead, they just lost the game. Right. And And then they come back. And it, they had two point one on the clock. They added another point nine seconds for yeah, I saw that. no reason. I don't know why. No, no reason. They still haven't given an explanation for it. No, you're gonna Even. hear it next week. Yeah, and, the L two M, the last two minute report. And that's and that's the the point nine seconds that mattered yeah. because Struess wouldn't block out. Right. Well, my philosophy is if you can lose in point one second, you deserve to lose the game. You know, they deserve like, to lose the game. Anyway, they played a bad game, you know, but they played a bad game. Boston played bad, too. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, my so, my my all my 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 only um my only solace is that they played so bad. They almost win the game. You know, Jimmy played poorly. Ben played poorly. Larry shouldn't be on the, on the damn game the entire game. Only yeah, Killer was, played well. Yeah, it was so no, bad. And, and plus, they almost win the game. So that's my, that's my only consolation prize. 
hoping to play much better in Boston. <laughs> no consolation. It is no consolation. Where know. do you rank this as like one of the worst losses in Miami history? Oh, like right up there, bro. Like maybe like top three or something like that. What what you get? You got a knowing yeah, I got a list. top five. Yeah. I got a list. Top, top five do. worst losses in Miami history. I've actually got three DMCs. Didn't make the cut. Okay. okay. Well, you made it eight then. Okay. So, so it's actually a top eight, but the 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 first three don't have a ranking, right? Okay. okay. So the three that didn't make the cut last year, two thousand twenty-two Florida Panthers game two, that last second goal with like one second left against Tampa Bay. I've never seen a buzzer beater in hockey until that, and then this year it made up for it with Kachuk. I'm I'm over that one, but yeah, that one, the Hail Flutie. I don't even think you were born. Probably not. Doesn't even know. 1984, University of Miami, Boston no, College. Doug Flutie runs around like a crazy person, throws it into the end zone, and it's caught. It was it was terrible. Uh, the New York Jets miracle comeback against the Dolphins mm. in 2002. I want to say where the Dolphins were up 30 to seven, going into like yeah yeah the third quarter or something like that. They and blew they it. Lost. They blew it. I was living in New York at that time. And so you what could did you hear, for? <laughs> you could hear New York like screaming out of my window. Yeah. All right. Top five. Number five. All you got to say is Alan Houston. Oh, boy. Not shot, man. That's number five. And that ruined my life. I mean, I, at no, the no, time, no. I, I was in medical school in Grenada, and, and, and that was just, it ruined my life. Number four. 1994, Dolphins versus Chargers. Pete Stayanovis misses a field goal. Yeah. Oh, how old were you? Like seven? Yeah. Yeah. No, like maybe like yeah. close to eight. You don't, yeah. You don't remember that? Do you remember that? No, I don't. I was like, yeah, six, seven. Number three, last night. Last night. Wow. Last night. I, I can't wait to see to hear number two and number one. Last night was a heartbreaking, man. We had the game. Like, I, I was jumping. I was jumping, yelling in the restaurant. I was, we had the game. It, the thing is, we didn't have the game. Well, we, we stole the game with three right, minutes right. left. We, stole we literally the game. stole it. There we was there the was game. a tweet on the internet. Uh, there was a tweet on on Twitter that I read. I don't remember who tweeted it, but it said, "I feel like I I just opened all of my Christmas presents and started to play with the toys, and my mom took them away from me." Oh wow, that's a great tweet. That's, that's exactly tweet. how I feel. That's, <laughs> that's a great that's tweet. Exactly you know, yeah, yesterday I kept telling everybody I was with like. Count on Boston to blow the game because they never play a good second half. Never. It's terrible. Yeah. Tatum never play a good fourth quarter. He's gonna score thirty points in the first half, and that's it. And I was like, count on Boston to, to throw the game, and they yeah. did. They did. They did. And and that's their only thing that they can hope for in Boston is Miami's got to keep it close. Yeah, they can't go down seven 20. or five. They can't go down you know, in the fourth quarter, and Boston is going to fold. Boston's gonna right. fold. They can't. They, play they always do that. Game. They can't play. Yeah. But if they get they, I I have. N- I don't believe that Miami has a chance they're going to get blown out. But if they wow. can keep it within five I believe in the fourth or. quarter, they're going to win because Boston's going to fold. The only way to win the game, Jimmy has to do Jimmy Jimmy things. Jimmy has to Jimmy's got to score 50. He's got to score 40-something, five yeah. steals, you know, yeah. eight assists, That's you right. know, yeah. Okay. All right, number two. You were, I don't know how old you were, probably weren't even born, but 1988, mm. University of Miami versus Notre Dame. Miami was the best team in the country. And they went into Notre Dame after national championship the year before. And two-point conversion, Steve Walsh threw it in the air and Notre Dame knocked it down. I was 10 years old, 11 years old. 
And when UM lost in the 80s, it ruined my whole week. Like, I was ruined the whole week. Sports was that important to me when I was a kid. And University of Miami football was that important. And the number one worst loss in South Florida sports history is the Fiasco Bowl, man. Like, there's nothing worse than that. Miami won the national championship that year against the Heights. I don't care what the score says. I don't care whether Ohio State has the trophy. Miami won. The fireworks were going off. The game was over. Somebody got paid. You think so? Somebody got paid. And and I'm saying that. Oh, wait, wait. I got I to gotta play something. Who needs 12 years of education, training, and half a million dollars? Throw away those medical degrees and speak as a regular person. The following opinions are not those of a medical doctor, professional, hospital, or institution. Okay, now I'm good. Somebody got paid off in that game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that game was fixed. That's, <laughs> not, that's that not a medical advice. I agree. watch the Panthers sweep the hurricane oh yeah I did at least at least we have one team keeping us alive they actually showed the heat how to do it yeah. what we were going to talk about uh, we were going to go back to superstitions that we did when did we do right. superstition we did superstitions oh like was uh, maybe that was second episode right I thought, episode I thought it was. four episode four and it was actually I think it's our most popular yeah. episode superstition so really? the Panthers, yeah, it, it has their most done. So the Panthers touched the Prince of Wales trophy, which is the trophy that's given. No, they did not. Yes, they did. Are you they kidding? Touched it. Yes, they did. <laughs> Barkov touched it. He skated around with it. They all went over there. Yeah, they touched it. Um, and this is, this is a no-no, apparently. You're not supposed to touch it. Apparently. But I think it's in every sports, right? I've heard that in, in no, it's in, a hockey thing. Soccer, you're not supposed to touch it. Is it just a hockey thing? This thing started in 1997. Apparently, Eric Lindros didn't touch it, and it was stupid because they lost that year, the Flyers. So, like, you didn't touch it, they lost, but it didn't stop the superstition. Like, how does that work? Uh, does that make any sense? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a little superstition. I'm not the superstition. Superstitious. And the next year. Washington didn't touch it, and they also lost. So, so here, here's the thing about superstitions, right? It's we talked about this in episode one, and if and if you want to hear superstitions and and it was conspiracies and superstitions. So the superstitions for athletes is a way for them to try to control things that they can't control. I'm saying this as someone who did literally a superstition last night with three seconds left as Boston was inbounding the ball. I was you on do? my knees. I was on my knees downstairs oh my on the carpet, like like in Muslim prayer. That essentially is what I was, and it didn't work. Thank you very much. Don't do that next time. Don't do it next time. Yeah. That's what I'm happened. Muslim, that's probably what happened. So not not part of Islam. So that's probably what happened. I needed to do something else. But anyway, as as someone who doesn't believe in superstition, I do it too. Yeah, there was the right. other thing is when Jimmy was taking the when Jimmy was taking the free throws. Uh -huh. When he hit the first free throw, I was lying on the couch, 
and I'm like, I need to go. I need to move. I'm like, okay, I was too restless. And I'm thinking right. to myself, if I, if I move, he's going to miss. You know, I forced myself to sit on the couch super restless just so, like, he wouldn't miss. Right. No, I was going to say, I mean, if you're talking about mental health, super, like you mentioned earlier, it helps you control what you can't control. But also, you know, they can help us calm anxieties, right? And, and you know, be feel, maybe feeling a little bit more secure in your own skin. But that's what happened to you yesterday. You were very anxious. You were very. Oh my anxious. god! You did a you 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 hope to have a coping mechanism, like you wanted to find something that would calm your anxiety. That's what absolutely. You did. And the thing is, I would rather lose Game Seven by forty points, and then lose oh, it boy. the way it was lost yesterday. But anyway, we're we're over. We're not talking about the Heat. We're talking about touching trophies. So. I ran the numbers. The Eastern Conference Trophy is the Prince of Wales Trophy. The Western Conference Trophy is the Campbell Cup. I don't remember the first name. And we're not going to go through every year, but it's been going on since 1997. And since 1997, there's this kind of diagram. So you got the teams that touched the trophy and won, teams that touched the trophy and lost, teams that didn't touch, won and lost. Okay. So here are the numbers. It makes a little sense then. That's right. Oh, okay. And That's I'm going to tell you numbers. exactly what the numbers are to prove that it makes absolutely no sense. No and sense. Which, so, so which do you think, if I, if I gave you, and you don't know these numbers. because I don't. Right? I don't. You I'd rather, right. okay. Yeah. So which of those four do you think has the highest percentage of winning? Of Which do you think is... is it's positive to, like, conducive is to win. Positive. It's positive. It's conducive to... Is is more is is the highest um, probability of winning? I guess, highest, or the, not the probability of winning, the probability of coming true. So, like, oh, okay, is is like if you don't touch and lose, that's the highest probability. Or if oh, you I see, touch I see. it and lose, that's the highest probability of coming true. Which which do you think is the? I, well, I guess it's a risk risk right or something. Like that. I, I, I know I, this is doctors. <laughs> I hated stuff in med school, man. I I have Me no too. shame in saying that. I have no shame in saying that. <laughs> Terrible stuff. Um, no, no, I, I would think because sports, you know, there's because of rituals, right? I'm thinking about again basketball. You, some people kiss the ball, some people, you know, they touch it, they, they, you know, they, they bounce it a few times. I would, I would lean towards saying, if you touch it, you probably have higher chance of winning. So touching the trophy um, has been linked to more um, higher rate of winning the championship. So you think touching and winners is right. the highest. Because I think it gives the player or the team an intrinsic, intrinsic um, belief, right? They feel set, or they feel confident they will win because they touched the trophy, if you will. It's all you know. It's all in the mind. Um, so I think the fact that they think they, they touched it, they play better. They feel more confident about their playing. That's what I think. That's what I would say. Okay. Uh, it's not a curse. It's more so superstition, right? So. Roll the drums and see which one was right. Nope. You're wrong. Oh boy. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I'm I was 25% right. So so here here are the numbers. If you touch the trophy, 56% of those that touched it won. So you've got That's what I said, right? So in well, 25 56. years, 56%. So you're you're Better than fifty percent, right? So it's not—it's not terrible. That's right? pretty good. It's not terrible. 
not terrible. So there's 25 years that's been going on. You've got 14, 14 out of 25 in the last 25 years, 14. So that's 36% when you touch it, you've lost. So that's, that's not bad, right? So what does that leave you? So when you don't touch it, 64% of teams, they don't touch it, have lost. So I'm 64%. right. So I'm right. I said, if you touch it, you win. Yeah, but if you yeah. don't touch it, you're more likely to lose. If you don't touch it, you want to... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's a, right, don't that's touch what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So it's a linkage. You, so six, it's a linkage, right? So if, you're, a linkage, if you don't right. touch it, you're more likely, more likely to, lose to lose 64% than if you touch it, right? Yeah, so yeah. So you, you, you touch, you're, you're more likely to win. If you don't touch it, you're more likely to lose. Right, okay. Right. You're more and more likely to lose. <laughs> more likely to lose. So... Right. Of the twenty-five years, sixteen teams. So it's not—it's so, not even that big of a deal when you're talking about percentages. You know, it's another eight percent higher, but you're only two more years of teams that. So are, are we lost. saying are we saying the Panthers their chances are a bit higher now because they did touch it? They did, they did not not touch it, right? I'm doing the they double. Did not touch it. Right. They touched it. Right. They touched it. So, so. what I'm saying is that it's the numbers are irrelevant. Okay. These the superstitions are ridiculous. What matters, like I said, like, like, what matters is that they believe it, that they have better chance to win because they did not, not touch it. That's what matters. That's right. Here's what really matters is that the Panthers are a really good team. And nobody yeah. thought that they were a really good team. They were an yeah. eighth seed that barely made the playoffs on the last day because Pittsburgh coughed it up. Man, I wish I could say the same thing about the Heat this morning. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I can't give it up. I can't give it up, man. I, had a, I slept terribly last night. Here's the thing. Miami's never going to undo this, right? They're going to lose. Oh, my God. No, man. And it's the legacy of this, of this choke job, is going to stick with this city and this team forever. Forever. There's no chance to undo this. Oh, boy. Don't even start, man. Even even if another team blows a three. One or whatever. It's always going to be the Heat because they're the first, and because it's Boston, and Boston are literally the most obnoxious human beings. Right. Except you, maybe the New York Jets fans. Yes, I said that. You like it's it's like a dagger, and you just you've been twisting it, and then getting like getting twisting a dagger in my back. Like oh my god. But but I will point this one thing out. I will point one thing out. If it was ever going to happen, ever in the history of basketball. If it was ever going to happen, this was the scenario. An eighth seed that overachieved with no right. superstars. That made that far. And, and one guy who just, he's not a superstar, but he overachieves. Jimmy Butler's not a superstar. Come on. He's, he's, a guy, he's, <laughs> oh a, he's a guy that executes, that executes to perfection and just grinds you to death. It's a guy that scored fifty points in, in, in on the box. Uh, fine, even if we accept that he's a superstar, he's still a, he's not he's not a super talent like uh, okay yeah like a Jordan or a sure Bird. sure sure he's talent just a guy wise. that grinds you to death right talent wise I agree okay you know what I mean he just he's grinds a superstar. you to death right okay but one guy and a bunch of basically nobodies yeah. an eighth seed who overachieved who played a team of super talented guys who just are not that mentally tough. They're not, they're not mentally right. tough. They're not, 
they're they're good players who just they can kind of turn it on and just kind of they're well coached. You. They're just well coached. And so they they got into two close games at home and they blew it, right? And then the third game they just didn't show up. And they got down by three. And then they're like, oh, crap, we better try. And they just out-talent you. And Miami made mistakes. And this is how the scenario plays out. A more talented team who decided to show up and just, you know, just started making shots. This is the scenario. I have a motion. Can we move on? This is painful, man. So John Moran again. Surprise, surprise. You, you want to take this one? Yeah, um, I'll start with a little anecdote. I think it's been like three episodes in a row, four that we mentioned John Moran, but this time it's a bit more serious. Do, let, before I start, let me ask you: Do you are you somebody that that do you ever go back on what you say, or do you are you someone that says I, I stand behind what I say, I, I don't go back or, or whatnot? I don't. Are you? Are you at times a, revis- a revisionist, right? What's the word? Revisionist, right? Revisionist. Do yeah, you go back? I do. Okay, I do. Good. It depends. It depends on the situation, but um, I have. See, I don't have a problem. I'm not. I'm not the guy that's like, oh, I've got to stand by what I say, no matter what, right. despite everything. Like these, you know, like it's it's now in vogue right uh when you say something you've right. got to stick to it no matter what like a politician right. good right when new evidence comes in you're allowed to change your mind good it's good. not a sign of weakness it's a sign of intelligence good i'm glad i'm glad you're saying that so i, I i'm not gonna feel alone here that being said i'm not gonna change what i said <laughs> i want to make sure i however i may i i i would admit that i do feel a bit queasy inside after the fact, I kind of felt like I, I, maybe I was too harsh on Jamalet. Um, and I do think that despite his, his behavior, despite his actions, what I and I do not condone and actually do criticize him, him, his, his posse, his people around him, I still criticize him. But I do have to add that with what we know now, and we'll play the video, we'll play the, 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 the sound, that the kid, you know, he's dealing with some stuff. We don't know what it is. We don't know why he's dealing with some stuff. And as a mental health provider, I can honestly say that maybe I'm a bit too harsh. Maybe I should be more, not necessarily patient, but have more of a, a leniency towards him and understand or trying to understand why he's behaving that way. I don't know all the details in his life. I don't pretend to know. Um, however, as a human being, as a black person, I'm frustrated. I'm very frustrated. And I, I think the last couple of episodes, I let my frustration out and People could have heard me and, and and feel my frustration, but with a little bit of context that we know now, I, I do think the he needs help, and um, hopefully he does get the help he needs, um, and as soon as possible, preferably. And hopefully, all this acting out is him crying for help, and somebody will will, will give him the help he needs. Well, I've heard a lot of people talk about what it is that he could possibly be going through, and some of it is that he doesn't particularly care for the things that go on around being the celebrity 
basketball player, that he likes being the basketball player. He doesn't like the celebrity that goes along with it. Right. I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to try to measure what I say about him because I, the honest truth is that we don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know what his dad, his dad is always there. I don't know what he's, what, what kind of influence his father has. I don't know. There's a lot of we don't know. I don't know if he was like this before we know him, if he was like that kind of kid in, in school. I don't know if having money now and power and fame and feeling powerful, invincible plays a role in what he's doing now. I don't know if his friends, people around him are influencing him. I don't know. I don't know if he's dealing with some stuff that he doesn't know how to channel his his feelings. We don't well, know. I think that's uh, pretty clear. Well, yeah, I don't know. So well, the reason the reason we're bringing it up is because right, uh, I mentioned context on Wednesday. Uh, so right. so let's play this. Let's play this clip. This is from Undisputed, the beginning of Undisputed, that uh, puts in context why we're bringing this up. Let's go back to John Morant. Police in Tennessee did a welfare check on him yesterday. That after the Grizzly star posted a series of pictures on Instagram saying he loved his mom, dad, and daughter. And a final picture of himself back to the camera with a caption that said, bye. You see, that, 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 that's what makes me feel queasy inside. You know, I, I don't want heal on him. I don't wish any heal on him. I, I wish he get the help he needs. Obviously, I, I, would, I would hate to see him be getting hurt. Or God forbid he hurt himself. I would hate that, you know. And then the black people, black men in general, it's known that we have, you know, a tendency to hide our feelings inside. We don't want to look too weak or too needy or having to ask for help. It's a complex and hopefully we can normalize people saying I need help. And I I don't know if he actually says that to anybody, but it looks like that's him saying he needs help. It looks like that's him verbalizing his feelings maybe not in the right way um hopefully he has somebody to go to and and, and you know express himself and talk about the his demons but uh I, I i wish him the best i wish him to get better i wish that he gets right person on his way and then help him out doesn't matter how long right. it takes basketball at this time seems like not unimportant right now basketball and money and fame the his life matters more than all this kind of stuff. So, well, that was the concern is that you know when people post things like that and say things like that, the concern is suicide, right? And that's why they did a welfare check. Do you want to go into what a welfare check is, real quick? Yeah. So, well, people might not know, but it's totally appropriate to call law enforcement and for you know on behalf of a friend or a family, somebody you care about. Um, you might worry about them hurting themselves, or you might believe they're about to hurt themselves. Then you call the police right. and you say, I, I, so-and-so, I, I, I'm worried about them hurting themselves, or they're in danger or whatnot. Um, it's right. not an arrest. It's not a record. It's not nothing lawfully binding. It's just like somebody knocking on your door and making sure you're okay. That's right. And so the police went over there, and they said he's perfectly fine, and that he was just taking a break from social media. Uh, that's an interesting way to say you're going to take a break from social right. media. There right. are other ways to say that. Um, I believe that... Drummond, we mentioned that in one of our episodes, Andrew Drummond actually, he posted, he That's posted, right. I'm going to take a break from social media for my for my mental health. He actually said That's that, right? right? So That's right. And we did an entire episode on social media because of Andrew Drummond saying that. Subsequently, the APA came out with their social media awareness thing right. or the notice or like a couple of weeks after we did that. That's right. But That's right. We're, we're a little bit ahead of the game, but we're not going to pat ourselves on the back for that. The reason we wanted to bring this up was, you know, to talk about a little bit about uh, behavioral stuff in athletes and how that 
looks in general towards diagnostic stuff. Now, if there are any practitioners that are listening to this, I know, I know exactly what you guys are thinking. You guys are, are, are hearing the footsteps from the grave. I I don't know. Is he dead? I don't know. Oh, gold, Goldwater of, of Barry Goldwater. He's, he's coming to get us, coming to get us in his, in his rule. It's not his rule. It's actually the, the APA rule. Named after him. Right. But you know, is it really a rule? Is it well, really a rule? We, we can we can debate that, but I we I'm not I'm not ready right now to diagnose John Morant. I'm not about to do that. Well, let's do this. Some rules weren't meant to be broken, but what if they're just guidelines? Time for Goldwater rules. Yeah. What if they're just guidelines? You know, they're in the ethics code. Right. Okay. Both. Right. Both APA, APA psychiatry and APA psychology. Right. But that's what I just said is that they're ethics guidelines. So here's, here's the thing. We're going to do a whole thing on, on Goldwater, the Goldwater quote-unquote rule. I'm doing air quotes now. At some point in the future, uh, sooner rather than later, because this is going to come up. Right. We're going to discuss personalities in this show, you know. Yeah. It's going to come up more often than not. So we're going to do an entire thing on Goldwater, probably 20, 30 minutes on it. But for the purposes here, we're not going to diagnose anybody. No. We're We're just not. We didn't do any personal interviews. We're basing all of what we're doing here on- From public knowledge. Public knowledge. knowledge, And we're going to use, we're going to use uh, criteria in general. Okay. I think think we should say, we, we will discuss- we might want to discuss diagnoses, but not diagnosing anybody. If that's you will. right. And and any diagnosis that we put on an athlete are anything that's already in public, or or they themselves disclosed. That they dis, they themselves disclosed. That's right. Okay. So the two that I wanted to mention specifically was borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder. And I know why you're asking that because you know in our line of work we do have people that tend to. I'm not going to put it as a trivial. It's very important. But we do have people that cry for help, you know, what we call suicidal gestures or suicidal behaviors for attention seeking. It's part of a mental health condition or personality, if you will. That doesn't mean they're not sick. That doesn't mean they don't need help. It means they're crying for help. They're crying for attention, right? So people sometimes post things, write things, or call people and say, I'm feeling this and that without ever wanting to actually hurt themselves. But they just want people to be aware of their feelings, be aware of they need help, and that's the way they know how to ask for help. It's a pervasive way of saying, I need help, right? It's an adaptive way of, of saying, I need help. Right. And what I wanted to point out was a lot of times people with borderline personality sort of get misdiagnosed bipolar. Right. And that's not to say that people with bipolar cannot, cannot have, have, have borderline personality traits. disorder. Right. But a lot of the times... There's a misdiagnosis here on both ends, right? Right, because there's overlapping. Borderline personality disorder is an emotional dysregulation issue. So right. people with BPD, for short, they have issues with regulating emotions on a day-to-day, kind of hour-to-hour basis. And I'm going to read off the criteria. This is a, a segment we call Dimitri Reads. So we're going to have to get imaging for this. But uh, I'm going to read from the DSM, which is the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual, which is sometimes called the Psychiatry Bible. 
Yeah. So all all praise the psychiatric Bible. The blue book. Is it blue or the, purple? Is it blue? Purple. I think it's, it's purple. Purple now. The it's purple. five is now purple. Yeah. yeah. So so these are these are the criteria for borderline personality disorder. Uh, a pervasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, self-image, and affects, and marked impulsivity beginning in early adulthood. And early adulthood is very important because I'm going to play a clip here related to this disorder. Mm-hmm. But the context and the timing of these symptoms is extremely important. Right. So we'll talk about that when we get to the clip. So the beginning in early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. So you need five of the following. Number one. Frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. Two, a pattern of unstable and intense interpersonal relationships characterized by alternating between extremes of idealization and devaluation. Number three, identity disturbance, marked and persistent unstable self-image or sense of self. Four, impulsivity in at least two areas that are potentially self-damaging, like spending, sex, substance use, reckless driving, binge eating. Mm-hmm. Number five, recurrent suicidal behavior, gestures, or threats, or self-mutilating behavior. Six, affective instability due to a marked reactive mood. In other words, intense episodic dysphoria, which is sadness. Right. Irritability or anxiety, usually lasting a few hours or rarely more than a few days. Mm-hmm. And that's important. That's an important timing right. from bipolar disorder, which lasts more than a mm-hmm. few days. Right. Number seven, chronic feelings of emptiness. Number eight, inappropriate intense anger or difficulty controlling anger. In other words, frequent displays of temper, constant anger, recurrent physical fights, which is also a distinction for bipolar disorder, which is um, a grandiosity and a different type of irritability associated Mm -hmm. with bipolar disorder. And nine, transient stress-related paranoid ideation or severe dissociative symptoms. So that we call it micropsychosis, right? Micropsychotic brain. One thing that might not be on the DSM-5 that I always say that you see very clearly in people with borderline personality trait. I, you know, I don't know what, how you how you do that, but my school of thought, I, I refrain from telling somebody, you are 100% borderline personality disorder person. I, I actually tell them, you have a lot of traits. Uh, because a lot of people can have traits from from BPD, but necessarily be full-blown BPD. Or sometimes I say you have traits of cluster B personality disorders, right? So a little bit of narcissism, a little bit of uh, borderline personality disorder, a little bit of, of histrionism. But I also want to add that borderline personality disorder traits, oftentimes these people have, what we, with all what we mentioned, all together, all these behaviors or, act, or, or way of interacting with, with their environment, all add up to self-sabotaging. They find a way to always, not always, but most often sabotage their own life, their own well-being, their own success, for, for example. They might be doing very well in some aspects of their life, and that 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 sense of stability freaks them out, you know, so to speak. That sense of stability causes a lot of anxiety because they're not used to stability. So what they do unconsciously, they self-sabotage because we can go yeah. back and you can we can go back in the which is very interesting. We can go back into why people are, are why people develop borderline personality disorder. And the theories are is because the way they were they were brought up during their formative years in, in childhood, they couldn't have they were not taught to have um, healthy coping skills. So they have maladaptive coping mechanism, you know, because either father or mother was not loving enough, or because there was a dysfunctional family because there was substance use in the family, there was a lot of violence. So 
their life, their upbringing was uh, was filled of inconsistencies, um, instability. Um, and there's also abuse. Abuse, very, very common abuse, abuse behavior. So they never really, they never knew what stability was. So that translates to the adult life or young adult life when they feel like they're very stable, like the life is going well, they have a loving relationship, work is doing well, the partners are loving and understanding. That to them, that's very foreign. That feels right. that feels something that they don't know about. So unconsciously, they self sabotage, right? They yeah. either they cheat, they, they pick fights, they you know they they break relationships, right? So and, and we should point out also that you don't need you, you can have cluster B. So personality disorders are clustered into, clusters, right? Into, into different clusters A, B, B C. C. Borderline personality disorder is clustered into B cluster with narcissistic personality disorder, histrionic. Uh, Antisocial, um, with the those other three, so there's right. four in this cluster. So you can have symptoms of borderline personality disorder without actually having uh, the, the full correct, disorder. Correct, correct. You, can, so have you can have borderline traits, right? Exactly. So right. you know, impulsive behavior, for instance, uh, suicidal gestures, uh, right, and feelings of abandonment. Right. Let, let, not actually have right, the full right. disorder itself. Let, let, let's say I'm 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 very successful. I'm making a lot of money, and then nobody understands why I'm throwing my career away. Why I'm doing things that I could jeopardize my entire future, my entire um, livelihood, my generational wealth, so to speak. Why am I doing things like that? Right, over and over again, sabotaging myself. And then fast forward a few weeks later, I may have posted. I may have disclosed or I may have said things that look like suicidal gestures or suicidal threats, right? And then, oh, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, I meant this, right? So, right. Um, and, and look, we can also point this out that that has, there's no idea whether or not that's, this is the case with him. People that are depressed also can be irritable, also make right. bad decisions. Correct. People they're that also have anxiety, impulsive. Also, impulsive. also impulsive, irritable. Right. And okay, so there's a lot of different things going on. People also have substance abuse issues do these things too. Right, correct. Okay. Because they, they don't know how to cope. They have no they have healthy no coping. Cope. Right. They have no idea how to cope in a healthy way. So they do unhealthy coping skill mechanism, right? And people with bipolar also have poor coping mechanisms. And so uh let's go into bipolar. So wait, hang on. Before we get into bipolar, I actually I want to play the the Brandon Marshall clip. Oh yeah, yeah, do Brandon it. Brandon yeah. Marshall is the only athlete that has come out publicly to say that he has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. He's very active, actually. And, and, and I like that because it's very uncommon that male self-identify borderline personality disorder. Very, very uncommon. Usually, most most is usually women, um, young women, adolescents, and young, young adults. But to find a man that would self-identify as BPD or that having BPD traits, it's actually very uncommon, which I, which I appreciate right. that. Uh, it's it tends to be more diagnosed in women, uh, right. percentage wise. So this is this is Brandon Marshall talking about he, the question was asked, you know, what is it like to have BPD? And this is his answer. I, I actually found this answer pretty funny. This is from CBS Mornings. Now you 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 touched on it a little bit, but borderline personality disorder for those who don't know what it's like in the day of someone that might be dealing with that, break it down. 
emotional disorder. I, Ricky Williams, legendary running back. I came in one day. I said, Ricky, you think I got a problem? You think something's wrong? He said, Brandon, no. You know Ricky's voice. He said, Brandon, no, I don't think that uh, something's wrong with you. I just think you say the things that we all want to say and shouldn't say. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I probably still get that a little yeah. bit. But it was that being able to navigate through any stress, any emotions, yeah. self-regulate, get yourself back down the baseline, right? Like that's what dialectical behavior therapy helped me do. Get mm. those skills and tools. Mentalization therapy, be able to sit back and process. So that that's that that's a man, that's a black man that's been in therapy. It sounds beautiful. That guy, you can tell he's been in therapy. Yeah. Right. So I, I love that. that I love that. The, the Ricky yeah. Williams voice. Right, right. It's like in, he said, you, he should be an ambassador for DDT. That other people think, right? He should be, he should be, a, he should be a, an ambassador for Marshawn Lenahan, right? For, for DDT. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For DBT. DBT is the, is the recommended therapy for borderline yeah. personality disorder. Basically, the theory is that your mind sort of splits in two into this emotional brain that has taken over your life. And the thinking brain is kind of off to the side. And DBT sort of integrates them back together and has your right. emotional brain sort of take a step back to your thinking brain and get your thinking brain kind of going together. And right. he, he called it an emotional disorder, which is it's sort of what it is. Right, it is, right. You don't, you know, the, the, typically people would just react to things without even thinking. So it's sort of, in, in, in BPD, sort of a reaction. There's very little thinking. It's sort of a right. erratic reaction, anger outburst, you know, um, you my friend today, tomorrow you're gonna you pick up my phone call, you're the worst person in the world, and the day after, oh I love you, and then the day after I hate you. So but there's very little thinking into it. So yeah. Right. So why do they why is it misdiagnosed sometimes as as bipolar is because of the moodiness. Right. Right. People with mood lability. They have this these have this swinginess of, of mood instability. So you never really know what kind of person you get. You know, right. they'll wake up and they'll be depressed and then They'll come into work and they'll be anxious and then they'll be angry and then right and the family would say they always feel like they're working on eggshells around them. They don't know how to approach them in the morning. Right. They have to. They have to wait. The family would say, "I don't know what I'm getting today. Right? I don't right. know. I don't know how yeah. to, I'm going to get today." Right. Right. But but bipolar is a very distinctly different thing. The right. mood be the mood is constant, and it's constant for longer than someone with borderline traits will have a mood. Right. And the extremes okay, so, are much, much further too. It's wider extremes, right? The range is much, much wider. Correct. Correct. So again, Dimitri reads, this is from the DSM. This is the bipolar criteria. So to have bipolar disorder, and this is a little bit odd, but to have bipolar disorder, you really only need a manic episode. You actually do not need a depressed episode. The theory Correct. is here that once you have the manic episode, the depressed episode's on its way. Or, or you've had it without knowing what it was. Without, or, without or you've had it, yeah. We, you we, never we, knew how to label it. You didn't know it. You just, you had it, but we didn't label it. You dealt so. with it, right. So, but if you have a manic episode, you are, or, by definition, bipolar. Right. And bipolar 1. Right. Because right? there's bipolar 2, bipolar one, there's bipolar. psychothymia. Right. So this is bipolar, this is bipolar 1. This is the definition of a manic episode. A distinct period of abnormally and persistently elevated, expansive, or irritable mood an abnormally and persistent increased goal-directed activity or energy lasting at least one week and present most of the day, nearly every day. Remember, these are time criteria different than borderline personality disorder, right? Which is less time, right? right? This has to be at least a week. So we're talking about seven days, right? six days, seven days, 
most present most of the day. So it has to be, it can't be an hour or two. Or no, day. It's right. be most of the day, nearly every day. That's A criteria. B criteria is during the period of mood disturbance and increased energy or activity, three or more of the following symptoms, four, if the mood is only irritable, are present to a significant degree. And I get that a lot of this stuff is subjective. What is significant, right? But, you know, that's what. All right, yeah, I'll go, I'll go into it. After, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go into it. So to a significant degree and represent a noticeable change from usual behavior. So it's got to be different than they normally are. All right, number one, inflated self-esteem or grandiosity. Number two, decreased need for sleep. In other words, feels rested only after about three hours of sleep. Number three, more talkative than usual or pressure to keep talking. Number four, flight of ideas or subjective experience that thoughts are racing. So the person feels like their thoughts are going fast. Number five, distractibility. In other words, attention too easily drawn to unimportant or irrelevant external stimuli as reported by the person or observed by the people. Number six, increase in goal-directed activity, either socially at work, school, or sexually, or psychomotor agitation, which is purposeless or non-goal-directed activity. Number seven, Excessive involvement in activities that have high potential for painful consequences. So this is similar to the borderline criteria of impulsivity, uh-huh. but it's not quite the same. It, it's right. a little bit more extreme, right. right? Engaging in unrestrained buying sprees, sexual indiscretions, or foolish business investments. That's uh-huh. some examples of, of the uh-huh. criteria. So three of those seven or four if the mood is only only irritable right because the mood in bipolar is euphoric it's happy right you're you're super happy super happy you feel elated people people who are not psychiatrists or psychologists who have never worked in a hospital you you never really see this you know you don't see it you don't see it it's you know i people people come into my office and and they they say well i'm bipolar and they're disappointed almost when I tell them that they're not. No, not right. Or, or their or the family member is not, and they say, well, right. "How do you know that?" I'm glad you're bringing it up. And I'm like, "Look, not only am I I trained to to know what this is as, as a doctor, but it's you know I could describe it to you, but it's it's one of these things that you kind of have to see. Right. When you, once it's you like, see it, yeah. Once you see, it's it's like it's like the Supreme Court described pornography. Right. <laughs> I can't describe it to you, but you know it when you see it. When you see it, right, right. <laughs> you know it when you see it. If you go into a hospital and you see a manic person, you'll know you'll never make you'll never make a mistake. Right. About no, no, it. no. You're true. When I'm on call, I walk into the hospital and I and I work in the emergency room. I can actually look at somebody for literally under a minute and say that person is manic. You know, because That's experience right. experience will tell you. And you mentioned two words. You mentioned. Um, significant and extreme. So I like to tell people that when they ask me that same question, I'm a bipolar because you know, parenthesis, bipolar has been used colloquially, um, culturally to to describe people that have, they have anger issues, right? Which is wrong. People will talk to my office. Oh, my husband is bipolar because he's always fighting with me. Oh, my wife is bipolar because she doesn't know what she went for dinner, and then she she does she does this, she goes that. So the, it, bipolar has been used colloquially in a wrong fashion, and I tell people all the time. They tell me, oh, I'm manic. And I tell them, listen, for you to be manic, you'd have to end up two, two places. Either you end up in a hospital, 
or treat through places. You don't end up in a hospital, you don't end up in jail, or you don't end up, end up in a morgue. That, that, that's mania. Oh, it's, I, I completely agree. That's mania. No, if you manic, you're going to end up in a hospital because the police officer will get you intentionally enough, emotionally, healthily enough to know what a mental break is, right? Or if that police officer doesn't know about mental health, you're going to go to jail. Or if there's no police officer involved, no family involved, you might end up in a car accident, in a wreck, or you end up in a morgue. That, that's mania. I completely agree. Statistically, people that are manic in a manic episode almost, almost, almost never walk into a doctor's office and say, no. I'm manic. manic. I don't no, like this. No. They love I, it. Please help me. They love, love it. They think it. it's the they greatest it. thing in the world. I mean, they don't understand why people why, aren't look, like this right. because they get so many things done. It just doesn't get them anywhere. No, no. They, they have that, that superpower. Yeah, that superpower right. feeling. They they actually feel like they're godlike. They have some people have, That's they feel right. like they can, they can fly, you know, and then and either the family brings them because they've been going, like you said, seven days like this, not sleeping, talking very fast, having a pressured speech, acting, behaving, you know, weird fashion, undressing themselves, being sexually promiscuous, right. you know, blasting the family's savings. 70% of people that have bipolar disorder come into doctor's offices when they're in the depressed phase. Because Correct. they Correct. don't like the depressed phase. They want you to give them back the manic stuff. The manic stuff. And the family says, no, 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 please don't, please don't. Right. Right. Please don't. Right. Right. And then people, I was going to say, people that think they, are, they, are, they have some mania, but they're, they're still about to get to work. They're still about to keep their job. They're not getting fired. That we can talk about a different day that probably could be bipolar too. People that live on that edge, they get a lot of stuff done. They don't see very much. They're very successful. They read three books a week. They make a lot of money. They, they go to work and they spend the night trading on the internet and they don't get to the hospital. Right, those right. might be like bipolar two, bipolar right? two, or or mild mania. Or mild, you know? right, right. And I want to point out two more things on the criteria of of manic disorder. It's every every psychiatric disorder has this stipulation: is that it has to cause uh, severe and marked impairment in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. So it's a functional issue. Everything right. in psychiatry is functional. is part of functional. So. People come into my office and say, well, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, I'm manic, whatever. And I ask them, well, how it's affecting your life? And they're like, well, I'm still going to work. I'm still taking showers. I'm still getting out of bed. I still do all these things. And I'm like, well, you have symptoms of anxiety, depression, all these things. But if it's not affecting your life, it's not a disorder. We can manage it. Right, right. We can manage it in other ways besides right. necessarily medicating. And the final, the final thing is it can't be due to drugs. In other words... You can't right. be high on cocaine and be manic. It doesn't. Right. That doesn't count. Or, or not like, like, like not otherwise caused by a medical issue, or medical condition, right? Because people can have, you know, hyperthyroidism, for example. Yeah. Not, right. The thyroid level is to the roof, and they they having a manic behavior, right? Or, or the things. Or what I've seen during COVID, when I was the when our unit was, you know, we had a full COVID unit. We had a lot of people that never had a psychiatric condition, never had depression or mania, and they were. Full blown manic because they were, getting, they were getting high dose steroids for for COVID. So I have people literally becoming manic in the COVID unit because they were taking steroids. You know, hyperthyroidism, steroid side effect could be elevation of mood, right? Motivation, mania, if you will. Um, so yes, so that doesn't necessarily mean that your diagnosis would be bipolar disorder. It could be mania due to X, Y, and Z, substance use disorder, or substance induced manic behavior, or or metabolic issues or steroid induced right. blah 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 right 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 so 
getting back to John Morant, what what is it about? It, it, again, no diagnosis here. What is it about him that's causing this behavior in the background? What is it about? What is it that's going on with him? And who knows? It's the pressure of being a celebrity that's sort of getting to him. I have a clip from Amber Beard, who was an Olympic swimmer. She was an Olympic swimmer at a very young age, and she went to uh, National Olympics, and you know things sort of got to her, and she had a lot of a lot of symptoms that you know that we talked about here. We have no idea what her diagnosis was. The only thing that she's disclosed is that she had depression. She wrote a book about it. So if you guys want to get the book, the book is called In the Water They Can't See You Cry. And she talks about a lot of the things that she had. She had a a history of drug use, bulimia, what she called, quote, toxic relationships. Uh Um, And she also had a history of cutting. Her cutting behavior was before she was 18 years old. And there's a clip of her uh, talking about it. But the clip I'm going to play is not related to that. What's important about the, the, the self-mutilation behavior is personality disorders, and, and this they're not telling you that Amber Beard has a personality disorder. In fact, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I want to point out that personality disorders cannot be diagnosed before the age of 18. And if you've ever had a child, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> every child is a narcissist, every single one of them. They would all be NPD. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but you can't diagnose you can't diagnose a child with a personality disorder because, because and then there's a reason because the maturity so, matters right they're still in the formative developing. years right the brain's developing correct yeah. right so once they they turn eighteen the brain starts to finish development actually brain's still developing up until about twenty two to twenty five years old but you start to grow out of certain behaviors right okay. So it's important to know that her her behavior was before that. So what I wanted to play that she was talking about from uh, CGTN Americas, the interview she did, is talking about the pressure of being a athlete, giving interviews, and and what it's like to be going through all of these mental challenges, and being a professional athlete. So this is her talking about that. Maybe. I think you definitely feel like you have to put up more of an act, more of a front, and you're not being very true to yourself. Whereas if you weren't um, doing interviews or doing magazine, you know, photo shoots and things like that, where you could maybe be more realistic with the things that you're feeling going on throughout your life. Whereas I never really felt like I should share those things with especially young athletes because I didn't want to have this negativity put out there. Or I didn't want people to think that I was weak. I wanted them to look at me and think, okay, she can handle all of this. She's a strong athlete. I, you know, and just kind of toughen up and work through things. But it's not the case, and that's not realistic. And I. So is that kind of sound a little bit like what's going on with John Moran? He wants to put on a face. He wants to be strong. He wants to come across as not weak. But really, there might be something going on behind the scenes. We don't know. I mean, if I was. If I, if I was seeing somebody, I'm not going to say him, somebody like him with his story, um, I would, you know, like I'm sure you would too, you would probably dive into the past, right? How did you grow up? Tell me about your experiences or your, 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 what you remember from childhood that may have marked you, you know, or what kind of trauma that you think you, you, you experienced when you were younger. And tell me about your relationship. Tell me about your friendships, your love relationship, your parents. How did you see that, you know, growing up? 
you know, and then tell me about now, you know, how do you feel about yourself now? You know, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? How do you think that you're able to react to stuff and stuff like that? So that I would try before I, I cast a, a, a diagnosis, I would try first of all to learn about the person, right? To learn about their past, their story and everything to see if what I'm thinking would actually fit the context of why that person is behaving the way they're behaving right now. Um, right. We would need to do a, a full, full evaluation, a full evaluation right. which includes a history. Right. Uh, what which includes his, his how right. he grew up. What, what, what we call a, a second take, right? Like a, a one hour at most, at, at least, um, at of, least. A, of an intake, at, at least. least. Yeah. At least. Is it, quick wait, is that Amber Heard? Is the same Amber Heard that went, that went to court with No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Amber Beard. Beard, okay. Because when you say, uh, when you say borderline personal disorder, my mind, when you say Amber, my mind no, goes no, no, straight no. to Amber Heard. No, no, no. If you if you type the wrong letter, you're gonna get a completely different search history. Right, and, and because for, the H and the B on a keyboard are very close together. Very close, right, right. They're very close, and right. they they're, they're almost the exact same name. And interestingly and, enough, one, okay. both of them, one is have more insight, possibly into the the, the personality traits. Oh, the other one oh has zero insight. Actually, would be a poster child. Would be a poster child. Would be a poster child. Google sometimes doesn't know the difference because you search for Amber Beard and, and you heard. it'll say, do you mean Amber Heard? Right. And it's like, no, I don't mean Amber Heard <laughs> because you have to search Amber Beard swimmer. Now, if you put for them to, to, right. to get, and if you search, said right? Amber Heard BPD is going to correct you and said Amber, Amber, Amber Beard or whatever bird, whatever her name is. No, 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 no. It, when you search Amber Bird swimmer, swimmer, you get the search that I was going for. Right. And there is, there's no mention of, of BPD because there's, she's never been diagnosed with that. Right. We're not right. diagnosing with that. The only thing she's ever disclosed is depression. Okay. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't read the book, so I can't tell you if it's in there either. Okay. But when you look up Amber Heard, BPD is all over. All, all over, all over. Right. All over. Google. All over. Now, whether or not she's actually been diagnosed with that, I, I don't know. Nobody I knows, right? The articles or anything like that. But it's all over Google. Right. It's everywhere. Maybe we should do a podcast on that. Even though I don't know. No, I think, I think that, that thing's like over and done, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I really do hope John Morant gets it together. No, right? We, we all he's we hope. really, really fun to watch. Yeah. He, and and as, a, as, a, as a human being, I, I hope he's going he's gonna to be fine. I hope so. Of the day. Day full of hiccups, knee shakeup. Listen up, it's Dr. Vic and Dr. DeGrasse mental health tip of the day. Which is, as always, brought, brought to you to by, by nobody. 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 What do you guys do? <laughs> but the mental health tip of the day today is actually brought to you by the lady in the booth next to me at the restaurant. Thank you, lady. It's courtesy of the lady next to me in the booth. Thank you very much, lady. You did a great job. So I was having lunch with my wife, and she, my wife was talking to me, but I was listening. Sorry, Maria. But I was listening to the lady in the booth next to me. <laughs> I, I don't know how. I don't know how you're going to get yourself out of this one, man. Way to go. Giving, 
fantastic, fantastic way to go. mental health advice and i'm way like to you go, know what? Way to go. <laughs> that's that's really good mental health advice so the the tip that she was saying was whenever you tell yourself not to be anxious don't be anxious you're actually telling yourself to be anxious and what you need to do is step back from your emotions and anxiety and think about the place that you're in instead of pep talking yourself out of an emotion consider the place that you're in first sit with it and then you can think your way through whatever emotion you're in and actually that is amazing insight it actually makes me think that this person actually has been through therapy yeah because that is a it's actually a skill to sit with your feelings is essentially is what that is right i mean if i if i didn't know any better i would say talking about mindfulness right mindfulness is when you sit and you 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 actually appreciate everything in the moment it's simple stuff the the way let's say the 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 booth the way your back is pressing on the booth the way your 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 soul are touching the floor the smell that you smell in restaurants the sound that you hear you know the way the, the the texture of your clothes feeling your skin and when you get into this kind of mindfulness the mindful thinking of things that you take for granted it actually relaxes you because your mind is no longer as occupied and busy with your anxieties you just focus on the present moment the body posture the way you're breathing you know that's being in the moment so that that's, that's right. mindfulness that's mindfulness that's right i'm getting a sense of deja vu have we done this one before no i think probably with your patient you have done it this week maybe <laughs> maybe you know, Maybe. you know, the thing about doing a, a mental health tip of the day every week is we'll do it again. That's fine. Not sure if we've done if we're repeating ourselves. Before, That's OK. That's but, OK. But this was a good one. So if we That's are repeating point. ourselves, this is, this is a really good one. So you guys, you're going to have to tolerate some of these ones. This is a really yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say, every time you tell yourself you have to do something, it's all, you already lose that rel- relaxing part. If you have to do something, that's right. So to, you already lose that, that relaxed part. That's forget right. about it, right? That's right. That's right. So, uh, sort of an update for this podcast is that uh, we are moving towards making video. That you are actually going to see our face at some point. Wow! I need to find another face, man. And I know, I know that's you short can't wait notice. That. that is short notice. What am I going to do with this face? <laughs> we we do have a YouTube channel, and these these podcasts are up on the YouTube channel. They are audio only right now, but we are we are going to be in uh, vivid vivid HD because I know you just can't wait to see us both. So that's coming in the future. Um, we don't know when, but it is on the way. And um, in a near future, that's not too near. Not in the near future, that's not too. Near. In the meantime, like subscribe give us feedback yeah or share that stuff tag us share, share us tag us yeah. we're on twitter a psych effect pod we're on instagram psych effect pod you're in podbean on linkedin podbean spotify you want everything i guess apple everything everywhere you get your great podcast youtube yeah we need to be on all your friends phones that's what we need to do yeah that's right let them all so. know all right. All right, All right See guys. You next time. See you next time. Bye. The previous podcast represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graaf and the guests. It should not have been taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care.
No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.